On today's show, our special guest is John Langley, food and beverage director from the new Sound Hotel and Current Bistro in Belltown. There is news to be shared. A fifth El Gaucho is coming, a new director of winemaking at Dalil, and more. Naturally, we'll keep you current on events around the Northwest. It's all coming up on the Seattle Dining Show. Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by... Revolve True Food and Wine Bar in Bothell, where a passion for wellness, wonderful food, and good wine infuses everything they do. All menu items are free of gluten, grains, preservatives, trans fats, GMO, and soy. Enjoy wild seafood, organic farm-fresh eggs, and seasonal organic produce. Find them at RevolveFoodWine.com. This is Chef Jeremy from Pecos Pit Barbecue. Let's open up the smoker and get the show on the road. Coming to you live at the Test Kitchen Studio high atop Queen Anne Hill, it is time for the Seattle Dining Show. Join us as we explore news about Northwest restaurants, take a look at upcoming events, discover new kitchen tips you can use at home, dive into great recipes, and much more. And now, here's your host, the senior editor, Connie Adams, and whoever else just happened to drop by today. Welcome to the March Seattle Dining Show, number 1903. I'm Connie Adams, Senior Editor, and I'm here with Tom Marin, publisher and owner of Seattle Dining. Oh, hey, you know, I just want to make a point that uh, if, if you know, I have a hearing impairment, so if uh, you say one thing and I say another, then... uh, (laughs) I won't even notice it happens so often. Yeah. But the listeners will be like, you know, what she said was very funny, and he just passed right over it. Yeah, he's crazy. He's crazy. <laughs> and he is, but also he has a hearing impairment. <laughs> and speaking of crazy, that's kind of my monthly discussion today about craziness in kitchens, so maybe you should have been a chef. Maybe that's what should have been happening. I am a chef. Oh, that's right. Everybody wants me, but I don't let them have me. Because you're so busy in the Broadview kitchen. That's right, making cookies. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I haven't tried one of those cookies yet. I'm liking those cookies. Well, the reason I came up with this craziness in the kitchen thing to talk about today is because I'm reading a book called Mincemeat, and it is a book that is basically, it's written by an Italian chef, so it's basically the Italian version of Kitchen Confidential by Anthony Bourdain. Is it written in Italian? No. Okay. Because I would have understood far less of it. Yeah. You would have had to take Italian before you could read it. Exactly. Um. The the shocking thing to me about this one is that it's it's pretty similar in how um, crazy it is in the kitchen and and what a uh, foul mouthed uh, place it can be and how mean they are to each other except when they're cooking because then it's a team and everybody pulls together which is kind of what Kitchen Confidential said too but this takes place a lot in the two thousands so admittedly this is twenty nineteen so we got nineteen years there but you know. I can't help but think things have changed and it's not so horrible in kitchens, and I'm hope I'm hoping that. I, I mean, he's he's kind of. I don't know. I I worked in a kitchen, and there wasn't a lot of foul mouth stuff going on, but that yeah. was in the seventies. Yeah, um, it was maybe before the serious drugs took over, and maybe so. 
Uh, I was like sitting at the counter up at the coastal kitchen because that was an open kitchen. Mm -hmm. And I think the staff was kind of trained to be kind of snarky and jokey with each other. And so there was always some kind of tomfoolery going on or uh, funny comments. And I was in the kitchen at Salty's one day. And they had the same kind of thing going on Mm -hmm. where they were all kind of making crazy have not not crass comments, but just funny comments. Yeah, the funny thing I get, I think when you, it's a high stress job. You know, it's high pressure. Yeah, and you, I certainly do that. If I'm in high stress situations, I start trying to be funny because mm-hmm. it's my only way of coping. But these kind of things are are horrible things. I mean, they're massive drugs, massive, uh, not healthy sexual relationships. Um, all these things have happened around us in in kitchens. We're oh, not yeah. going to name them, but we we do know of them. Yeah. We just weren't in there when it was going on, yeah. and we or we'd find out after the fact because somebody got yet another employee pregnant. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, one of the things is in this book is that he talks a lot about being, you know, a sociopath, and and maybe there's no difference between the word sociopath and the word chef. And and it's like there's a lot of pride in that in what I'm reading in this book that, and and I don't I know a lot of chefs and I don't think of them as sociopaths now, maybe they really pull it together when they're outside the kitchen but, you know well I, I just, think another thing that we know now is that there are quite a few chefs who suffer from depression yeah. and uh, over the years have committed suicide yeah and maybe those are the people this guy's or some of them, that he's singling out as being these sociopaths where they're just oh. – it wouldn't matter if they were for the Postal Service or in a kitchen. Yeah. You he know? was referring to himself actually. Ah. Um, and, you know, and I know it's it's not been particularly good for women in kitchens and I think that's changing. Um, and I'm sure that people aren't writing books about – fun kitchens to work in because everybody like, oh, yawn. You yeah, went to work today and that, everything was fine. I want to get the Coastal Kitchen joke calendar of <laughs> yeah. 2019. Well, you remember we went to Orf- – uh, not uh, not Orfeo, um, Zane and Wiley's one night uh-huh. and had dinner at the bar. And and that staff was doing that same thing and they were more than happy to pull us into it. We were all joking with oh, them yeah. and giving them a hard time and they were laughing and they'd pull over somebody and say, see, he gets it. you know. And that, So I, I think that's fun. You know, yeah, I do. But um, it—that's not what this book is about. And I'm just—I'm thinking, for people who love food the way we love food, and you know, you don't like to think that kitchens are just a mass of crazed people like these books seem to think. So, if you don't want to know what's really going on, stay out of the kitchen unless you can take the heat. I'm thinking, and I'd like to think that a creative person can get into the kitchen and do a great job without, you know, turning into a crazed idiot. I do. Yeah. <laughs> in the Broadview kitchen. In the Broadview I do. kitchen with absolutely uh, one or two guests in the, in the house. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's kind of my thing for the month. I don't know. Maybe we we should have people email us and tell us if they think it's different these days than it was in the 80s, 90s. Well, you know, you watch some of these open kitchens like we just had dinner last night at uh Costco Antigua. Mhm. And then that's that's you don't want to get in the way of those guys. You can watch them working, and you yeah. know you don't want to if if you if you cut their 
concentration. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna ruin their day. Yeah. They weren't even talking to each other. They were just heads down getting that food out. Yeah, and I watch them up in the kitchen in Saltoro, and you know it's tricky because Saltoro has kind of this little galley kitchen, and it's not yeah. easy to go by each other. So you really have to lay it out where nobody's passing behind each other yeah. at least to a minimum. Mm-hmm. And calling out and saying, I'm back here, because otherwise you're getting burned. Yeah. yeah. But you wonder, I mean, those are the open kitchens, you know, when they're back Well, that there, one's but, not. That's a galley kitchen yeah. that you can see through because yeah. uh, the serving line is right there. Yeah. Yeah. My point was just that there's a lot of kitchens that no one can see into at all. Yeah. And that's where probably more, more stuff happens like this. So don't be asking for the kitchen tour. (laughs) Actually, we've done that. And oftentimes they're good about it. But sometimes they say, "Uh, no, we can't do that right now. That's when I call the health department in the morning. God. (laughs) I'm just kidding. All right. Maybe I'm just kidding. Maybe. Maybe. Let's talk about where we've been eating. Okay. Um, I was in Bothell the other day, and I have been hearing about Alexa's Catering and cafe for years. They've been around doing cafe uh, catering stuff. They have. In fact, they used to have the cafe down at Swanson's Nursery. That's right. That's down right. there on Crown Hill. I'd never tried it. So I had breakfast, so I can't tell you anything about lunch or dinner or if they even do dinner. I'm, I was going to look that up and see if they did dinner or not. Um, but it was just a pretty standard breakfast. I had. I ordered it all sort of a la carte. I didn't want breakfast potatoes, so I just ordered some bacon and um, I do eggs. that more and more every time now. Yeah. But it was it was good. It, you know, there's nothing organic about it or anything, but it was standard breakfast and they executed well. So that's mm-hmm. kind of nice to know. And well, then, oh, do you want to go? Um, mm-hmm. No, I, I might want to go try it sometime. I know that it wasn't organic when it was down at Swanson's, yeah. but that they were trying to use, you know, local oh, okay. and, and that sort of thing. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, you want me to go to one of mine now? Yeah, do okay. Um, well, you know, uh, when you when you but before they gentrified Fifteenth uh, Avenue Northwest, there was a little Mexican hole in a wall called Michoacan, oh. and I ate there once in the early two thousands and decided it just wasn't for me because the food quality was pathetic. Mm-hmm. I tried it again in the 2010s, and it still wasn't for me because it was pathetic food quality. So, uh, ah, lo and behold, they're out of business. And it's not because that building's getting gentrified. They just didn't get any more business because their food was so pathetic. Um, Up the road, across the street from the QFC on Holman Road, is a restaurant called Louisa's. It's been around for decades in Seattle. And I had dinner there the other night. And I just putting the word out now, somebody come and buy that restaurant because <laughs> the food is pathetic. Well, you know what? The last time we were there together, honestly, had to be eight years ago or something, and you wouldn't go back then. No. In fact, I got food poisoning back back <gasps> really? in like the early 2000s there. Uh-oh. But, I, you know, I'm, I'm in the industry, and I go back, and I try these things again, and I know that we're, King County is much better about food now than they were 20 years ago in restaurants but i mean the beans were just like watery mud oh no Uh, and the rice was you know somebody some phony kind of rice um not not good food uh guacamole with old tomatoes in it and just the kind of stuff you don't want to eat uh and you know what it's interesting i've been 
I've, I always used to go to Azteca every now and then, and it was so-so. Mm-hmm. But actually, it's it, to me, it seems like it's uh, the food quality's gone up. I really enjoy the salsa there. It may come out of a can. I'm not mm. sure, but it's it, it tastes like it's done fresh because yeah. those like tomatoes have, have some body to them. Yeah. Uh, the guacamole is always good. Mm-hmm. Well, did we add, I think we added salt and pepper last time. Uh, yeah, but that's okay. And at least you're not getting a bad old tomato yeah. from Friday on Monday, you know. Yeah. Um, and their sauces and stuff are, are decent. I, I'm, I'm satisfied going there for, you know, just when I have a craving for Mexican food. Yeah. And there's always nicer places, too, like the Costco Antigua. Yeah. And, 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 you know, we have a little bit of everything in the city, but uh, I'm just going to say – I'm not going back to Louise's until Tom yeah. Douglas buys it <laughs> or Kathy Casey. Yeah. Are you listening? Yeah. So um, I'm always giving you guys real estate yeah. tips. And I have to say, you know, this is one of those things that confuses me about the restaurant industry because there's so many things that go into somebody being successful. Mm-hmm. But you hear constantly, Seattle Times does this a lot, 42 new openings, 16 closures, you know, yep. 30 closures. Louise's has been there for... 25 years? Maybe? At least. Yeah. So, like, is it just that it's got a neighborhood following because there's so many homes around there? Or how does it keep going? I don't know. It's it's an interesting But I always conundrum. said that about Michoacan, too, and finally their day came. Yeah. So I'm, I'm hoping... But again, you know, the only time I was at Michoacan was I was working a job that I've been gone from, I don't know, 20 years. Mm-hmm. And I and I went to um, visit somebody in that neighborhood, and so the, you know they've been around forever too. And I didn't think yeah. it was good then either. Well, I just want to be able to watch a good Mexican restaurant in my neighborhood, and I don't have that right now. Yeah, so, yeah. Well, one I of the get things in the car and drive every time, and after those six margaritas, I don't know if I can <laughs> drive back home. You six know? margaritas and twelve inches of snow—not a good combination. <laughs> yeah. Just saying. Well, one of the Things that, as you know, I love is um, Chinese food. And you're always saying to me, oh, you want to try that? Let me know how it is. Yep. You go check it go out and let me know how it goes. So I was in Edmonds the other day and I thought, I'm going to go have Chinese food. See what's Because I thought something new had opened in there. And actually where I went I don't think was a new place, but a, it is a new owner. And the guy doesn't speak uh, much English. Um, he's very enthusiastic, a little too enthusiastic, actually. He he will come to your table about every five minutes. All good? All good? Wow. He gave me a magazine to read with a story about him in it, which actually was a good thing because it was interesting to read. But um, I I liked it. And it was just one of those things. I was there at lunch, and I had one of their lunch specials. Is it a hole in the wall? Uh, it's actually kind of – it's in a little strip mall. I'm trying to think what else is in there, a pancake house maybe or something. It's oh, right up on the there. Main drag. Okay, I know yeah. what you're talking about, up um, by the store. Yeah, it's called Fury, Fury I guess, F-U-R-I, Chinese restaurant. And, and I walked out – I hope your food this, doesn't show up, Fury. Not Fury, Fury. <laughs> <laughs> I said Fury. Um, but I thought it was good. I, I got um, Mongolian beef, and I was I was doing it on purpose. I thought if I get it and it's – Tough as nails, I'm going to know that nothing here is good. And the beef was quite tender. The sauce was good. Mm. They they come out not with a teacup but a big, huge mug of tea. What day of the week was it? Uh, a weekday. I don't, I don't recall what day. Because that's the day we want to go back. 
Because it might be the day that they you know, fresh. put all the meat in the marinades. And then, oh, yeah. You know, five days later, it may not be so good. You never know. Well, I don't know. It was it was a random cho- choice on my part, but I thought it was quite good. Um, and he was – he's uh, as clearly as he could tell me, he uses all fresh vegetables. He said, nothing can't. Nothing can't. Mm. So he's he's trying to do it right, and he's relatively young. Okay. So I think he's he's trying to take something, and I I walked out at the same time as a another woman who lived across the street, and she was kind of saying, you know, I don't think the name has changed, but that's not who owned it before, mm. and uh, she said it was quite good today, and so she, so there was a change there. So I think that's a okay. Good I thing. might go try it. Yeah. See, you're my guinea pig yeah. for Chinese food. I'll go with you if you're still alive. That means I could at least safely eat there. <laughs> yes. Uh, let's see, we went down to the Bell Street Diner the other night, kind of in the back there of Anthony's, out by the water on yeah. Pier 66. The more casual spot. And a uh, nice happy hour going on. We were there on a Sunday night. Yeah, I think it was a Sunday. And, um, I don't know, I had a poke bowl. Uh, quite a good bowl. Um... Had a couple of funny bites of tuna in there, but mm. pretty good overall. Um, and and actually, the bowl was going along quite well until I was talking with my hands and knocked my wine into the bowl. <laughs> yeah. and, but you know what? Uh, it could have been worse. It could have gone all over the table. You were very tidy. It went right in the bowl. Yeah, it was a nice bowl. It had some some uh, uh, finely chopped ginger and some edamame and uh, a couple other flavors mixed in there. And it wasn't. You could actually do the mixing yourself, or you could eat them all individually as you mm-hmm. went along if you wanted to. Yeah. Uh, some some just you know regular old steamed white rice on the bottom. I don't eat that anymore. So even after the wine flavored it, you didn't eat it. No, <laughs> can't fool me. Yeah, and I had clams that night, and we got some uh, prawns. We shared a little prawn dish. Oh yeah, that was good. Those, that, and the clams were quite good. So yeah, yeah, and it was not horribly expensive. I mean, you know, it was no, a happy it was hour. Priced right. Yeah, so that was good. I think for the two of us, it was 40 bucks. Really? Total. Yeah. Wow. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, I'm going to go back to the Chinese place just to say it's on, it's 546 Fifth Avenue South. So it's on the way into Edmonds. It's on yeah. that street, the, the big drag that goes into Edmonds. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and like you said, it's over there by the Pancake House. And there's yeah. a, I think there's a little grocery store right in there. Yeah, there's and- several. Several businesses yeah, in there. It's on the left-hand side as you're heading north into town. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, the other place I went to, I've, I've been very um, popping around doing ethnic things lately, I guess, but Pasta Casalinga, which is at the Pike Place Market. Mm-hmm. And it's just a little um, – it takes up some space just off a, a hallway. You know, it's it's not an enclosed restaurant. There, there's some seats and a counter you can sit on that look down into part of the market. Mm-hmm. Um, and then their kitchen is against the wall, and you just go up to the counter and order. And they hand make all their pasta. And then they have every day they've got lasagna. And then they have something from the garden, the farm, and the ocean. So, like the day I was there, I had a steelhead pasta with capers in it. It was absolutely delicious. Light sauce. Mm. And they usually, the, far, uh, the, the um, farm, I guess, it doesn't really make sense, farm, but it was an elk ragu. 
So they're elk. doing yeah, they're doing some really interesting mm. things. So it was quite delicious. It was probably something I should not have eaten all of it, but I really did eat all of but about three bites because um, it was that good. And then they always have a vegetarian one. Was the elk grass fed? I don't know, but I'm sure we can ask them. But anyway, that I thought that was kind of fun, and you know, it's it wasn't it's ten or twelve bucks for lunch for a, a really nice, hot, delicious lunch. Yeah, all right. So, and they have drinks in a in a cooler, you know, that you can buy. So, and other than that, that's kind of what they have. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I have to try that one too, then. Yeah, that was good. All right, let's take a little break, and when we come back, we're going to be doing the news bites. Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by Ethan Stoll Restaurants. Fresh ingredients lets the food do the talking from house-made pasta to ribeye for two. Find them at www.ethanstollrestaurants.com. Hi, I'm Corey Nagler from Walla Walla, and when I'm in Seattle, I eat at La Carta de Oaxaca. This is Uli from Uli's Famous Sausage in the Pike Place Market, and you listen to the Seattle Dining Show. Back on the Seattle Dining Show, I'm Tom Aaron, the publisher. I'm here together with Connie Adams, our senior editor, front of the house and the back of the house. You get it all on the Seattle Dining Show. <laughs> uh, and and speaking of which, uh, Connie's going to do the front end of News Bites, and I'm going to do the back end of News Bites from the back of the house. We're so inventive, it's frightening. Yeah. We just mix it up all the time. I think it makes people just... Go crazy. So what is the deal here? We got a guy who may be Polish uh, making wine now out in uh, Woodenville? I don't think you can tell anything by a name now. I know. But. You but, could have a name like Gorski and be Native American or something. Now. Could be. He might have taken his <laughs> mother's name instead of his father's name or who knows. Or the dog's name. Yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah. It's Jason and Bowser Gorski. Mm. Anyway. What we're talking about is News Bites, and Jason Gorski is taking over from Chris Upchurch as Director of Winemaking at DeLille Cellars. That's like a kind of a seismic shift in my mind, because Chris has been there from the beginning. However, he's not going anywhere. I mean, he remains a co-president and a partner. He's supporting Gorski and the winemaking team with harvest, blending, events, sales. So, And Chris hired Gorski in 2011. Mm -hmm. So he's been there seven years. It's not like they're bringing in a hot new... You know, shot hot shot that doesn't know anything about Delille wines or anything. So, right, but big change. He knows all the magic formulas. Yes, good. And then we whip from wineries to grocery stores, and PCC has taken out their self checkout kiosks from all the stores because they don't create create community or connections. They are. They did put in some express lanes, so if you don't have more than a few items, you can get through fast. But um, you were saying that um, you asked, you went to PCC and they were gone, and you asked about it. So I think they must have had them on a on a test through the end of the year, mm. because when I went in on like January second, I looked at the guy at the register. I said, "What happened to the self checkout?" And he says, I don't know. When I walked in this morning, it was gone. <laughs> so the employees didn't even know it was on its way out. 
but uh, they had them for a few months. I used them. They were actually quite good, mm. and they were a lot faster than some of the other checkouts. Like I, the, the ones at QFC, they just take way too long. Yeah. But um, you know, I think short the- of knowing who you are when you walk up to it, it was a fairly quick process. Mm. And I don't, you know, I know I can walk up to any of those guys and talk to them about food, ask them where yeah. their stuff is. I didn't feel like I had lost any community. Yeah. The other thing, too, and PCC, you know, has a lot of organic and a lot of vegetable stuff. That's the longer thing for me if I'm using a self-checkout because if it doesn't have the number on it, then you have to look it up under the type of vegetable it is or something. That's what takes time at the checkout. Yeah, you know what? If I have like four or five bulk items in my... In my shopping cart, you just or you know, the... vegetables and fruits and stuff. I just go over to the regular. That's checker. what I do too. Yeah, they're they're so fast at it. And sometimes they'll they'll grab me and go, "Well, come on over and use the self checkout." I'm like, "No, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, want to do that." And you have a way of saying that that will be they'll they'll back off immediately. It just drive me crazy. <laughs> well, now we're popping back to a restaurant item. And Elliot's is starting a 45, has started a 45-minute lunch menu through March 31st. So the idea is you can get a great lunch and still get back to work on time. And that's a great idea. Capital Grill has been been doing it for some time now. So I think that's nice. It's a way to get, you know, people may want to go out to a nice place and just think, I, I can't. Well, you've got to no live time. within seven and a half minutes of Elliot's to make it an hour lunch. Yeah. Because you're going to have to walk and come back. Yeah. So... I wonder how successful they'll be with that. I wonder if the if the staff is going to be able to maintain that forty five minute yeah. time limit. Well, you know what the they have a separate menu and there's salads on it. Now it does have cooked fish on it and stuff, but um, it's it's things that are easy or quicker to put together too. So you just snip oh. open the bag of ready to eat and you go. <laughs> yeah. No, they're having that stuff delivered in the back from those companies that send it to your home and and it's all cut up already. Yeah, and that's what. Yeah, doing. that's it. Yeah, I'll be hearing from Elliot. <laughs> uh, now we're popping over to an award for Chucker Cherries and their original assortment. The Las Vegas market has been around. It's the it's the largest home and design show on the West Coast, and they started a new category of gourmet food gift. And Chucker Cherries original assortment won it. They're good for them. Yeah, so I that's like what really those good. guys do. Yeah, and I like their little Chucker Cherries too. <laughs> yeah. Do you know, I like their little store out there in, uh, what is that? I don't even know, what's the Prosser. name of town? Prosser, that's yeah. it. Yeah, I like that store. That's the, that's home, home base. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, back to restaurants, El Gaucho is opening a fifth location. This one's coming in 2020, and it's in the Waterfront Vancouver Project, and I want to mention this is not Vancouver, Canada. Yeah. Vancouver, Washington is, has that project going on, and it's going to be quite something, um, the El Gaucho will be in the hotel, which is the Hotel Indigo on the river. Um, the project itself, fountains, open spaces, parks, condos, office space, six restaurants, retail shop, Mary Hill wineries committed already. So it's going to be quite a thing. Wow. Yeah. I'll be interested to see how that turns out. I remember we drove down there a couple of years ago and we were looking around and there just wasn't anything yeah. really going on. Now yeah. they're finally putting something together. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and actually, you and I were coming home from someplace and spent the night in Vancouver. Had dinner downtown. Yeah, and it's really a, a nice little city. Mm-hmm. You know, so this will just add to it. It'll be a good thing. Um, 
another restaurant. Mama's. Oh no, you're going to do this. Aren't yeah, I'm. You? I'm. I'm. I'm, I'm take over now. Okay. So, uh, if you're a fan of Mama's Tortinis, who has currently, we believe, three restaurants here in the Pacific Northwest, there will be a fourth one opening in the Commons Mall in Federal Way. So they're currently in Puyallup, Kent, and at Northgate now. Yeah. Um, see, what else? Uh, yeah, I got it. I got it. Uh, Maslow's first start <clears throat> is adding a Theo chocolate caramel tart. In fact, by the time you hear the show, they've already added it. That sounds pretty good. Yeah, I like that Theo's chocolate. I don't, you know, I don't know what, what they're using. I think all the Theo's chocolate is organic. I, I believe so, yeah. It's all and fair trade. I, I don't know for how long they've been uh, selling this product, but if you go to the baking section of the market, uh, you can find a Theo's baking chocolate. Mm. You know, that, that deep, dark, heavy yeah. stuff. Yeah. So um, we don't know how long this item will be at, Mar- at Maslow's, so you better go get it now and uh, just in case it goes away. Yeah, it sounds good. You know, chocolate's only in season so many months a year <laughs> yeah, or so. You can't always get chocolate. Uh, Daniel's downtown is doing breakfast, and they've uh, done quite a twist on the Benedict. Uh, they're doing a Benedict that all, that includes USDA prime tenderloin medallions, Dungeness crab, and asparagus. I guess that's. I bet that's very inexpensive. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> get into your piggy bank on mm-hmm. that one. Yeah, that new Daniels is in the Hyatt Regency on Howell Street. So that's the first one of theirs that um, is really not kind of on the water someplace. Hmm. Or or up high, you know, like Daniels Bellevue has that incredible view. Yeah. Well, you just get a guy to come in and paint a big landscape picture yeah. in, on a wall. <laughs> <laughs> You'll know what we're talking about later. Now, if anybody's wondering why I've been clearing my throat so much, it's because I just ate one of my cookies that I made. Delish. And uh, the cookie that I made has what is called mango cheeks. I found them at Central Market. They are also available right now at the Ballard Market. Uh, These are probably only going to be a limited time. They're quite good. Um, they, They are not like a regular dried fruit that's been dried and soaked in sugar. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just the skin of the mango. So, well, it's it's the skin and the flesh. Um, but what I would recommend to people, and, and I'm going to do this on my next round of these cookies, is to soak those guys maybe overnight in a little water mm-hmm. so they take on some moisture. Because the other problem is if you want to chop them up, they get a little sticky on yeah. your chopper. So uh, you got to... You got to find a way to. I got to. I got to work on a better way to do this. But that's that's one of my things I'm going to do next. Use so. mango oil on your chopper. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess we just found the name of the show this month: mango oil on your chopper. I do my part. Uh, was there a tenth one here? Or? Oh, uh, yes, wasn't there? Oh, Avenue Bellevue I didn't talk about. Okay, go ahead. Um, I went to a media thing for Avenue Bellevue, which is basically the idea is it's going to be a city within a city. It's on 108th and Bellevue Way, so it's the final corner that hasn't been ripped down and had something major put on it. Mm-hmm. It's three and a half acres. There are going to be two towers. 
the first tower um, is the south tower that's going to be up by 2021. Um, the homes, the 98 estate homes start at a million dollars for a one bedroom, which actually sounded cheap for Bellevue. I don't know. Not cheap, obviously, but the three bedrooms start at 3.9 million. So. And nobody asked a question where they were going to put the low income housing. Yeah, it's in the West Tower, and those start; those are only 800 square feet. And they, they also started a million, though, so yeah. that's not exactly the low income. But there are going to be retail shops um, and restaurants. And the first restaurant to, to hook into this, to commit to this, is Angler. It's a chef named Joshua Skeens, and he's got a place. He's got an Angler in San Francisco, one opening in L.A. In, right, soon, sometime this spring. And he's got a place in San Francisco called Site. Saison, maybe, S-A-I-S-O-N. And his big thing is that he cooks everything over open fire. He's a hunter and a, and a fisherman, and he cooks over open flame. He's a three Michelin star chef. He got three stars for that Saison. But those dinners are kind of a set dinner. It's a number of courses, and you get what you get. Mm-hmm. Starts at four, $398. $398? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So it's... Um, the angler is not that expensive, and it's not a pre-fee thing like that. It's um, you order off the menu. So. Is there a split plate charge? <laughs> yes, it's five hundred dollars. <laughs> um, so it'll be interesting to see. That's going in. There's a bar coming, um, and it's a, a bar that is apparently from the people who have a very successful bar in New York City. It sounded to me like they were saying Hudakon. I tried to spell that and look it up. I couldn't find anything, and I'm not a New York uh, mm. person who knows all that stuff. So if you know Hudakon or something that is sounding like that, that's coming. So it's going to be quite the thing. I, You know, it's going to – Bellevue is going to be another – that's another lack of diversity kind of thing probably, although I have to say the guy who's heading it up is from um, Pakistan. So, yeah. But he's been a Bellevue resident for 20 years, so he's he's been here, raising his family here. Well, so. I guess we're going to find out just how much Bellevue will bear for dining. Well, you know what? Yeah, we'll see about the price point and everything, but Bellevue's slowly gotten better. Bellevue was kind of nothing but chain restaurants, and... Those some of those are still there, but there's a lot more better a lot oh, better sure. stuff going in. Chef so. John Howie stayed. Yeah. And Sea Star's always been a home run. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And there's a, a number of others that I'm not of course coming up with right now, but the chain thing is is going down. It's winnowing. So yeah. and uh, honestly if people can pay one to three point nine million, they're gonna go to Angler and they're gonna go to Ascend and they can afford it. I know, but it's just a shame to lose places like Fat Burger. Oh, I don't think that's going to go. Okay. You know, the other thing they mentioned at that media thing was that um, all the land around that intersection in the corner, it's Mm -hmm. all been purchased. So everybody's been selling. So there's going to be more projects coming up. Bellevue's going to be – you think Bellevue's different now. It's going to go really transforming. So it's the land of the haves and the haves. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's what's happening. And the people who live there who were have-nots – are now the haves because they've probably sold for millions. <laughs> yeah. We actually knew some people who did. <coughs> sold their teardown for a million bucks. Oh, wow. All righty. Well, listen, let's take a little break, and <coughs> we'll come back, and we'll do the calendar and tell you what's going on all month. Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by... 
Swiftwater Cellars, a Northwest winery destination in Clee Ellum, celebrating locally inspired menus and beautiful surroundings. Now also open in Bellevue. Find them at SwiftwaterCellars.com and SwiftwaterCellarsBellevue.com. Hi, this is Julie from Willamette Valley Vineyards in Salem, Oregon. If you're ever in the Salem area, visit Bentley's in the Grand Hotel. Nice place to have a bite to eat and a good drink. Hey, I'm Jared Burns, owner and winemaker at Revelry Vintners, and you're listening to the Seattle Dining Show. Welcome back to the Seattle Dining Show. I'm here with Tom Marin. That will be no surprise to you since he's been here the whole time. And I am Connie Adams. And right now we're going to get into the calendar and find out what's happening in March around the Sound. All kinds of stuff. Uh, Starts off on uh, Saturday the 2nd from 6 to 9 p.m. It's the Cabernet Classic at Porsche Bellevue. Dress up for the swanky affair. This raises funds for the Talk It Up TV's Be Kind campaign. Nauseous from local restaurants, live music, over 50 of the best cabs from 25 of Washington's premier wineries. Can I get any of those 50 to give me a ride home? (laughs) Not that kind of cab. Oh, okay. Uh, $75 general admission or $100 VIP. That's actually pretty decent price. Yeah, I don't think that seems so bad, honestly. And um, you get to look at all those Porsches. Yeah. And and drop food and red wine on them. Yeah. Is that one of those things, stain it and buy it? You stain it, you buy it? You stain it, you own it. Also on Saturday the second at six thirty p.m. at whiskey and there's a whiskey and ginger event at Wild Ginger McKenzie. It's going to be Wild Ginger, Jim Beam, and Maker's Mark. There's going to be six courses. This is also seventy five per person plus tax and gratuity, and reservations are required. That seems like a pretty good price too for six courses and a couple of spirits. Seventy five bucks per person at at Wild Ginger. Yeah, that's a great yeah. deal. It's at the Wild Ginger McKenzie, which I think they're really still trying to promote. It's pretty mm-hmm. new, so hmm. kind of a good thing. Interesting. Yeah. All right, Sunday the 3rd, as you're recovering from your Wild Ginger McKenzie or your Cabernet Classic <laughs> Porsche Bellevue, uh, from 5.45 to 8.30 p.m. No, no, there's two seatings. One's 5.45 and one's 8.30. Oh, I see. This is going to be the Woodenville Wine Feast at Market. With Avenia. 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 Avenia Winery. And by the way, thank you, Avenia, for supporting Cooking with Class. Yeah. We've had your wines before. We like them. Yeah. Come back and support us again. And we did a story on them. It's very interesting. Yeah. So go find that. Uh, this is going to be uh, four courses with pairings curated by the market and uh, the Avenia teams. This is $125 per person plus tax and grat which if you don't listen to this show all the time, that means gratuity. Yes, Jackson Grant. Uh, and you can book this online. We have the link on our calendar. It's at seattledining.com backslash calendar. And if you don't realize, Market is one of Ethan Stoll's 
restaurant. Ah, okay. Yeah. So you know it's going to be good. Yeah. Now, Avenia is just out there. On Sunday, March 24th, they're doing a wine dinner at Cortina, which is also an Ethan Stoll restaurant. For some reason, they did not put the time on this, so I don't know, but it is Cortina's first wine dinner, so maybe they just don't realize they have to tell you what time to come. Um, Chef Scott Siff is preparing... I didn't know what time it was. <laughs> Uh-oh, you've just morphed into the Sounds of Seattle podcast. Um, <laughs> Chef Scott Siff will... This is Sounds of Seattle open mic. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the chef is preparing a shared four-course feast paired with four wines. It's 95 per person. And again, like the time, we don't know if tax and grad are included. So We have a link on our site that goes to that, though, right? Yeah, yeah they'll have to go so they'll, check it out. Eventually, they're going to wake up and get this on yeah. there. I'll be honest with you. I did check it out, and it's not on their website. So yeah, you got to uh, call, or they're going to figure it out. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. Okay, uh, da, 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 da. Friday, March 29th, the new vintage at the Sanctuary downtown. Now, didn't they used to have this out in Ballard? This is a yeah. wine fest, and it's focused on younger people, right? Yeah, it's, it's like the Taste Washington. It's, a, it's the Washington wine people doing this for mm-hmm. younger, younger people. For younger people. Yeah. So but they yeah, took it out of the studio in Ballard, and now they yeah. do it at the Sanctuary. Yeah, which is a very cool space. It's going to run from 7 to 10 p.m. You can go down and mingle with chefs and winemakers, including Eduardo Jordan, Ethan Stoll, Rachel Yang, and more. Wine, co- wine cocktails at the Halo Bar above the main sanctuary floor. I have not been in this room, but it sounds like the House of Blues or something. Well, you know, it's the old church downtown. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. And so it's that huge um, window, stained glass window. It's beautiful. Hmm. Sounds like a good thing to do with a church. Turn yeah. it into a... A drinking spot. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I say. <laughs> I'm happy. Uh, this is going to be $125 a person. Uh, you can add an additional $100 and extend the evening with Lexus Late Night, hosted by Eduardo Jordan of Solare and several at, other. At Solare. Oh, at Solare. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, this will be Bites and Wine, Cutting Edge Cocktails. Includes Lexus shuttle service from the sanctuary to Solare. Now, I can only assume... There's also shuttle service back. I hope so. Because otherwise you've got people who've been drinking seriously all night at two events. and Well, if they're going to spend all that money, they've got money to get an Uber back, yeah, don't they? Yeah, that's true. Of course. <laughs> Must be 40 and under to – no, that's not what it says. <laughs> yeah. um, Washington Wine Month is this month, March 1st through 31st. So there's a whole lot of stuff going on. There's events, discounts at restaurants, free tastings at retailers, winemaker dinners. And then, of course, it all ends up with Taste Washington on the 23rd and 24th. Um, why do I have two dates in here? I don't know. I don't know. But you got me thinking about the next point on this is the, yeah. the 30% off of wines all month at the Safeway. 10% more off if you buy six or more bottles. Yeah. So for those of us who like to buy wine at retail, that's, that's kind of, you'd be getting the industry discount for sure. Yeah, it's it's a really good thing. All right, Taste Washington is March twenty eighth through the thirty first. Okay. So ignore my other thing. 
Um, and there's but the, more than but the wine month is all month. Yes. Yeah. And then at Taste Washington, there's more than 235 wineries, 65 restaurants. Um, and then uh, the Capitol Grill is doing 20% off all Washington wines this month. And Hartwood Provisions is doing special wine flights. So they have a wine flight for $20, a mixed flight for 25 and a red flight for 30 hmm. So that's kind of fun, too. So there's all kinds of stuff like that going on. Yeah. yeah. Or you could just make up your own Washington Wine Month at home, too. Yes. You start... Cutting yourself deals on the wine you buy. <laughs> um, Not charging your guests so much when they come over for dinner. Uh, interestingly enough, somebody has created something called Seattle Cocktail Week, which is going to be happening March 3rd through the 10th. And uh, this is over 60 participating bars uh, and world's best liquor brands. On Monday, March 4th, Hartwood Provisions will have an event with Diageo Reserve from 8 p.m. to midnight. Featured cocktails, complimentary snacks on Monday, March 4th. Also, an evening of drinks and half-price specials available to bar industry professionals from 3 p.m. until 11.59 p.m. <laughs> so don't think at midnight you're getting that deal. At Whiskey West. And, of course, if you're a bar industry professional, you may have to show your food card or your yeah. your booze card. Yeah, exactly. Your servers. Server card, yeah. Uh, Tuesday, March 5th, 7 p.m. until Wednesday, March 6th at midnight, not 11.59, <laughs> uh, is going to be the carnival party at Rumba. There's, this goes on and on. Yeah, there's um, tons of stuff. Oh, but I see. So we're uh, okay. So then uh, uh, Thursday, March 7th, 6 to 8.30 at the Fog Room. All this is on our calendar, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is there a link to where all this is at? There must be. Uh, well, I've I've put some of the stuff in. I just I was trying to just oh you just condensed it all under the one thing. Okay. Yeah, and I'm just saying it's it's all happening. There's a ton of stuff going on for Seattle Cocktail Week. Okay. Because right now, whoever's listening to the show is probably out doing yard work or shoveling snow, and they they need to be able to get to somewhere online to find all yeah. this out again. Well, you just um, I don't think it's on. It's probably in news bites, mm -hmm. and then uh, you can just Google. I hate to send people away yeah, from Seattle, just get dying, but Seattle Cocktail Week. Uh, Seattle Cocktail Week. Yeah, yeah. All right, that's our calendar for this month. We've got more highlights over at seattledining.com backslash calendar. We're going to take a little break, and when we come back, we've got a special guest. Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by Salty Seafood Waterfront Restaurants. Visit them on the water at their Alki, Redondo, and Portland locations. Hi, my name's Randy. I live in Bellevue, and I like Poppy Restaurant in Cap Hill. The variety of food, the excellence of preparation, and the friendliness of staff make it a tremendous place to eat. Hi, this is Janie from Northwest Travel and Life magazine, and you're listening to the Seattle Dining Show.
We are back on the Seattle Dining Show. I'm Tom Marin, the publisher, here with Connie Adams, the senior editor. And we have a special guest in the studio now. We have John Langley, who is the food and beverage director at the Sound Hotel that recently opened down in Belltown. Connie, take it away. Why, thank you. John, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You bet. And it is recent. It opened on February 12th. Yep. Correct. We're just so. a, just shy of two weeks old now. Wow. That's yeah. great. And this will this uh, podcast will be going up in less than a week, so maybe okay. three weeks. So really, really new. Um, let's talk a little bit about the hotel, just so they get that background first, so that, since it's so new, people may not know about it yet. Right. Um, so we are called the Sound Hotel. Uh, we're located in the heart of Belltown, right next to Cinerama on 4th oh, okay. Avenue in between Blanchard and Lenora. Okay. Uh, we're operated by the Hotel Group, which is an Edmonds-based company, um, and we are part of the Tapestry Collection by Hilton. Uh, tapestry, the Tapestry brand is a boutique brand by Hilton. Um, we are 142 rooms and mm-hmm. eat first tapestry on the West Coast. Um, each tapestry brand is allowed to kind of create its own identity and operate oh. independently so we That's don't cool. have these. Now, for the listeners with hearing impairments, he said tapestry. He didn't say tax-free, okay? I just want to make sure you understand that. <laughs> so, so it can be very localized. Yes. Oh, okay. And that's, that's kind of the whole theme of the hotel being the sound. Mm-hmm. It's the, you know, we're encompassing the sights, tastes, and sounds of the city. Oh, so, okay. Yeah. And do they name them all different? So it's not... They do. Um, okay. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. And then there was something about also that one brick wall across from some rooms. Yeah. So that's, it's, it's the back wall of the Cinerama building, which is owned by Vulcan. Uh, it's Paul Allen's company. Mm-hmm. Um, and the graffiti artist Weirdo did a really awesome mural on, on that back wall for the rooms that face that room so they didn't have to, oh, wow. you know, stare at a brick wall. Yeah. Yeah. What is it? Um, it, <laughs> <laughs> or it, do we know? It's, it's some trees and some color splash and a Gibson Les Paul guitar. So, you know, it's, it's the Northwest, but it's yeah. also, um, it's also really, um, it really dictates the the music scene in Belltown. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, is it a tribute to Paul? Um, I, I don't believe because so. because he was a musician. I don't, believe, I don't believe so. I think they started working on that before he passed away. Oh, but. okay, okay, interesting. There was something else that uh, oh, it's one of the few buildings or hotels that has a view of that some rooms and the top floor, the seventh floor, have a view of the Space Needle. Yep, um, we all all the rooms on the north side of the building. Have a view of the Space Needle. Um, and it is part of a tower, too. I didn't realize that until I got into reading a little more about yeah. it. It's not just the hotel. Yeah, 40, 42 stories. Um, so it, it's, wow. a, it's a mixed-use building. The hotel is floors 1 through 10. Uh, like I said, 142 rooms. And then floors 11 through 41 are all luxury residential rental apartments. Wow. Yeah. And that's, that's something new, too, isn't it? That it's rental as opposed to purchased condos. Yeah, yeah. And no elevator, right? <laughs> That's why it's a rental. Just saying. <laughs> um, uh, one of the things I wanted to talk about was that this is kind of a new role for you. You're a chef, yeah. So you, this is your first sort of F and B role. Yeah, I've been in, been in the kitchen for you know 20 plus years, and um, wow. kind of taking a big leap out um, yeah. into a more into a broader role, mm-hmm. uh, which is very exciting. Yeah. Um, also slightly terrifying, but, um, <laughs> you know, the, the team that I have, 
um, around me and, and working with me is all, they're all very supportive and, you know, yeah. they, they believe in, in the vision and, oh, good. um, that's very reassuring. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's not reassuring to have a team behind you that you are, you know, no. worried about the knives. Right. Right. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> um, tell us about how much input you had. I mean, this, you were in it from the start. So how much input almost from the start? Yeah, yeah, I would say like after the brand um and the name of the restaurant had been defined that's kind of when they started searching uh okay. f- for my role and it it's definitely kind of morphed, you know, it, originally it was going to be an, an executive chef role. Oh. Um but they they needed somebody who had a little bit of a, a strong liquids background um and a strong food background. Uh, and then also somebody who is creative enough to kind of figure out this menu in that kitchen because we don't, we don't have hoods and we don't have gas. Um, oh. So there's some big infrastructural wow. constraints. Yeah. Um, no hoods and no gas no in hood, your kitchen? No hoods, no gas. That's in, in, interesting. In, wow. Indu- induction burners, immersion circulators, and turbo chef ovens. So, wow. Yeah. Interesting. And I think the, the average diner would take a look at our menu and not not yeah. really bet nine. I looked at the menu and yeah. I didn't think, yeah. what's the deal here? Because yeah. there's, I live up in Queen Anne and where Lloyd Martin was, mm-hmm. and it was a wine bar before that. And there's no hoods there, and, yeah. and it was very restrictive. And this, yeah. I didn't get that from this menu. Yeah. We were going to make a movie about it, hoodless in Seattle. <laughs> <laughs> now we can do it with the Sound Hotel. Yep. <laughs> well, so smoke was to... always an issue there, no matter what. So, yeah. do you have a way to deal with that? There's a little bit of ventilation. Um, but you know we're we're really just taking quality ingredients and not really manipulating the heck out of them. Yeah. So. And actually, especially the breakfast menu yeah. appeared to me to be pretty healthy. It's a yeah. lot of grains and yeah. dried fruits or grains, yogurts, granolas, acai bowls. Um, you know, there there are some egg cups which we're able to execute in in our little ovens. But um, yeah. Yeah. well, you know, it's funny. I learned uh, a method of cooking bacon. Mm-hmm. And the benefit of it, uh, the idea of it is, is that when you cook the bacon, it will cook flat. But the the sort of the added bonus is that you don't have stuff spraying out all over the stovetop uh-huh. because it never gets that hot. It's just a slow cook, low cook bacon. Yeah. And uh, you know, no, no, no. You have to clean up the mess afterwards. Yeah. So. Yeah. In a in a kitchen like that where you have no hoods, that's a, that, that's a kind of cooking technique that could work in a place like that. Right? Yeah, we just we just put ours in a sheet pan and put another sheet pan on top of that. Oh yeah. Um, and, and use those turbo chef ovens. We have to do a very small amount at a time because yeah. the capacity of those ovens isn't yeah. that much. Um, but. but the the I think I had down here um, how many seats there are. It's not huge. It's not. Yeah. It's not. You know, we do we do have the potential to get busy. Um, we we have a little coffee stand um on the south end of the restaurant mm. and it's right smack in the middle of the resident entrance and exit to the building oh, okay um so we have we do have a very captive audience there yeah um but that that little coffee area is pretty jamming in the mornings yeah. um, and you know with with 26 seats like i come from a pretty high volume background um even if they're all full it doesn't it's really not, feel crazy yeah yeah so and they're not all gonna pop at the same exact no, time no. so you probably the the bacon is fine. Yeah. I feel safe now. <laughs> <laughs> are, the, are there a lot – this has nothing to do with what we're really talking about, but are a lot of the um, apartments rented? Um, I think there's about 40. 
out of 340. Oh, okay. So, so it's, they're, it's they're getting there slowly but surely, yeah. um, which is kind of nice for us because yeah. we don't get smacked around right out of the gate. Yeah, 300 apartment yeah. dwellers coming down. Yeah. yeah. But the residents get a 10% discount. Oh, nice. Um, and they get a coffee mug when they move in that to unlimited free drip coffees um, for, for an entire year. That then would be great. You buy a new cup on your yeah. on your second year. That's kind of a nice yeah. perk, actually. Yeah. Perk. Pun I see intended. What you did there. <laughs> um, so let's get back to the food part of it. Yeah. You, despite the fact that you are not the executive chef, mm-hmm. um, you are. You had a lot to do with the menu and right. and doing that. And right. then um, it's um, Leif Thornquist. Yeah, who's yeah. Your... Uh, Leif, Leif is the Leif. chef chef de cuisine. Um, he started about a month after I started, and I already had a pretty good start on the menu. I'd walked to space a few times, done some research on the equipment mm-hmm. we were working with uh, to try to understand our limitations. Um, and I don't really like to think of it as limitations. I, yeah. I like to think of directions. it as directions and how can we think outside of the box to create a really cool mm-hmm. menu that that appears broad and diverse and, and yeah. is accessible to a lot of clientele, but mm-hmm. um, but it's still not burdensome on the kitchen. Yeah. Um, and Leif and I worked together at, at, at our last job and oh, okay. we, we learned pretty quickly that we were on the same wavelength. So, you know, I, I knew that these many items that I was coming up with that he would get, be able to get behind yeah. pretty quickly. He wouldn't um, come in and say, we're not doing this. Right. So you like <laughs> right. having a Viking in the kitchen is what you're saying. Very right? much so. Okay. <laughs> yeah. The stove and Leif. He gets that all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not the first time yeah. he's heard that. <laughs> Um, what made you want this job too? Um, you, you know, it's a little terrifying, but yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I'm always kind of looking for the next step, uh, for myself and how I can grow and, and learn more, mm-hmm. um, you know, bigger and better, so to speak. Yeah. And, um, I, I changed the, uh, setting on my LinkedIn profile from not looking to open to new opportunities. Oh. Um, and and this thing popped up oh, okay. and, and the, the GM reached out to me and we, you know, it, it started as just a pretty casual conversation, mm-hmm. but we, him and I clicked and, and, and vibed right out of the gate too. And I was, I was like, this is definitely somebody I could work for and somebody that yeah. can mentor me. Yeah. Um, but also somebody who's going to kind of let me do my thing and, um, believe in what I'm trying yeah. to achieve. And then the, the hotel business in general, you know, I've, I've always been in, Restaurants and restaurant groups, mm-hmm. um, and there's so much opportunity in the hotel yeah. business um, and hospitality industry in general yeah. that I uh, I had to jump on it. Yeah, yeah. I I was kind of thinking the other day too. Maybe there's a lot of you doing this kind of thing, either going to a management position or just opening in a hotel mm-hmm. versus a standalone restaurant or something. Right. And maybe we'll finally get that attitude changed in Seattle that restaurant hotel Hotel restaurants are not the place to go, right? Because there's some really good hotel yeah, restaurants. There is Fr- Frolic and Ryder. There, yeah, um, Lola in the bottom of Hotel Andra. Yeah, they're. I mean, they're all doing great. Yeah, um, and there's some that you never hear about. I was out in Bellevue the other day, and I was using the valet at the W Hotel, and I came up to get my car, and I'm looking across the street, and it's the Central Bar and Restaurant. I've never heard of it. I do this for a living, and I've never heard of yeah. it. But it's a W restaurant. It's just in, you know, right. kind of in the hotel. And it doesn't get any press. Nobody yep. talks about it. Nobody talked about it coming or anything. So it's it's one of those things, I think, that we can work on. And so people like you moving into these 
positions yeah. may may bring some of that. I, th- I think you're right. There's definitely that predisposition that hotel restaurants are like have this cookie cutter menu. Yeah, I um, mean it's a kitchen manager running the place, mm-hmm. but you know it's a, that's changing. Yeah, um, and they're putting creative teams in those roles to right to elevate that experience, not just to the hotel guests, but to drive you know to to drive traffic yeah. as if it were a standalone restaurant. Mm-hmm. Bring people in. Maybe yeah. they'll have family stay there next right. time. Or, right. Yeah. Um, so you are in charge of? Um, well, I'm in, I'm in charge of overseeing my other teammates and, mm-hmm. and my managers. So I'm, I'm in charge of, of Leif and his sous chef, mm-hmm. Jesse. Um, I'm in charge of our bar and restaurant manager, Christina Buenaventura. Um, I'm in charge of the banquet team. I'm in charge of the uh, the, the soundbite, which is the executive lounge on the seventh right. floor, um, and then facilitating any other food and beverage type yeah. events that, that come up. Is, is it just my hearing, or have we an, said the name of the restaurant in the hotel? We yeah. have not. We have not. The name of the restaurant is Current Bistro. <laughs> no, this is like a secret we were keeping. <laughs> <or what? laughs> and it's current with with an A, like yeah. like the like the fruit, and yeah. the dried berry. But in a way, current is sort of like the sound too. Yep. If you spelled yeah. it differently, the, the flow of the ocean, yeah. if you will. Yep. Yeah, kind of. A, that's kind of a cool name. Yeah, and it's on the ground floor. Yep. Talk to me about the menu a little bit. It, it is a hotel, so it's breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Yep, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So. Um, seven days a week, uh, breakfast and lunch are available until 3 p.m. We start at 6 a.m. Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. on Saturday and Sunday. Dinner starts at 4. Uh, we close at 10 on Sunday through Wednesday and 11 Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Okay. Um, you know, if there's, if there's traffic in there late night, we'll, we'll stay Most open day. later. Yeah. yeah. And then what's the, like we talked a little bit about breakfast there's a lot of sandwiches and some pizza. Yep. What about dinner? There's those things too. Dinner, yeah. We, we've got a great um, uh, charcuterie and cheese program. Uh-huh. Um, lots of local creameries are, are on our cheese list. Mm. Um, some imported as well, just because we like those too. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. Local charcuterie, um, Fermani from, from Berkeley. When I say local, I mean like domestic. There's not yeah. a lot of places in Seattle that yeah. are um, doing it. Legally, <laughs> um, um, but um, yeah, and then and then a snack in a raw category, um, you know, without hoods and gas, gas you know, mm-hmm. the, that raw category was something we we put a lot of thought into. And there, there's only a small handful of items, but mm-hmm. um, they're they're executed really well. Yeah. Um, and you know, some composed salads, uh, sandwiches, and flatbreads, um, and a, a fantastic burger. But no tomahawk steak. No tomahawk steak. <laughs> yeah. We haven't found a way to do that on the panini press yet, but, but we may. <laughs> They're working. I can tell you how, but it's a mess. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then um, in one of the things I was reading, it's really kind of flavors of France, Spain, and Italy. So a little bit European. Yeah. little, you know, it's got that Euro bistro yeah. kind of stamp on it, I guess. Yeah. Um, I, I think that's... That's a phrase we're going with. Um, yeah, I'm, I, I, I fear to say Mediterranean um, because then I think the guests will expect hummus and tzatziki. And, yeah. You know. Mediterranean can mean so many things. It can. It can be yeah. Italian. It could be Moroccan. Yep. It could be French. Yep. It could, yeah. Middle Eastern. Yeah. yeah. It could be good for you. It could be bad for you. Yeah. yeah. You never know. And I, th- and I think culinarians and uh, they don't want to be put in a box. Um, right. And I, I think that leaves a lot of 
things open to interpretation mm-hmm. and, and room for the many to kind of evolve. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that it's not, you change it a little bit and it doesn't right. match anything you've put out right. or, yeah, I can see that. And then talk to me a little bit about the, um, uh, cocktail program. Cause Christina. Yeah. Christina, is, she's just amazing. Um, and so she, she's worked at knee high stocking company oh, yeah. here in Seattle, um, and helped, helped develop their bar program. And then in a couple of restaurants in, in Colorado, um, she's a huge mezcal geek. So you'll see a lot of mezcal in her, in her okay. creations. Um, and then the first part of our list is just spins on classics. Okay. Um, and then the second part of the list are our originals oh, cool. or, or her originals. Yeah. I can't take credit for that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, go ahead. She will never <laughs> listen to this. <laughs> um, tell me a little bit too about the best part of being involved in this. What have you found? Cause it is, it was a leap as you said. Yeah. What's, what's been the best thing for you? I think just the absorption of, of new information mm-hmm. um, and, and knowledge and, and tools that I'm going to be able to use you know, throughout the rest of my career. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Have there been any surprises? Oh, yeah. Any... <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Just just stuff on the back end, um, you know, tech, technical stuff, um, IT stuff. Oh, yeah. That's not really, you know, behind the scenes. Um, I, don't, yeah. I don't think nope. I don't think it's something to focus on. No. But it's, uh-uh. yeah, but definitely some surprises. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and some challenges, but, yeah, we're working through yeah. it. Yeah. It's always interesting to start in something brand new, and you've done that before. You've opened yeah. a lot of places, so yeah. it's not like opening is an is a new thing to you. But, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. So far, have you missed being on the line, or is it like, no, I'm really good? I haven't missed it, but I've had to like stop myself from from jumping in yeah. in in a suit and tie <laughs> <laughs> to go pull stuff out of the oven, or but you know, life's been been great. You know, I I don't. The last thing I want to do is try to micromanage him and his team. Yeah. Um, but we're, you know, like I said, we're on the same wavelength. So yeah. it, any, anything we talk about, it's all constructive. And, yeah. Yeah. And you can laugh. And you we know, can it's laugh like, about it. Please. Yeah. Mr. Suit. Yeah. Step aside. Yeah. Get out of my kitchen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Is there anything else you'd like to tell people about the the food or the, the restaurant itself or anything before we... Um, I, th- I think, you know, being the sound and the mm-hmm. sights, taste, and sound of Seattle... Well, we we try to use local products whenever possible. Um, we're we're really excited about the proteins, um, oh. the the beef and the pork in particular. Um, we're working with Preservation Meat Collective, uh, which is a new. They're kind of a new purveyor. Yeah. They've been around for about a maybe a year and a half, two years oh, now. I haven't heard of them. Uh, but they're a a, a true to brand supplier of beef, pork, um, ultimately rabbits and poultry as well. Yeah. Um, so the, the pork is Jack Mountain uh, from from Washington and pure country beef. Um, you know, you hear a lot of these these brands like Double R and Painted Hills yeah. and St. Helens. And while they're, they're Washington brands, you know, they've got farms in Idaho and Montana yeah. and Oregon. <laughs> so Colorado. Colorado, yeah. And they were purchased <clears throat> by larger firms. Right. At least... Some of them. Right. Are, are you uh, doing any grass fed or uh, grass? Some grass finished beef. Yep. Finished. Yep. Um, ah, that's uh, good. Corn fed, grass finished. Yep. Yeah. That's what we were talking about. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Because that uh, still gets the omega threes. Yep. You know how long that beef is is grass finished for? Uh, I don't, but I do know that even the grind is aged twenty one days. One hundred percent of their beef is aged twenty one days. 
Um, yeah, but on the grass finishing, like while the cow's still alive. I don't out, know. Out. Okay. I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. That's cool. All right. Well, I think we have a place to go check out. Yeah. Yeah. Come we on do. in. Yeah. We do. Yeah. Thank you so much for being here today. We yeah, really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You Thanks for coming. All right. We're going to take a little break. When we come back, who knows what's going to happen? I think we got some tips and tricks. We do. Okay. Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by... B&E Meats and Seafood, your neighborhood butcher with four locations to serve you in Des Moines, Burien, Newcastle, and the top of Queen Anne Hill. Unique products, great meats, the freshest seafood, and a knowledgeable, friendly staff make shopping at B&E Meats and Seafood the best choice. Hi, I'm Brad from Snohomish. One of my favorite restaurants is Daniel's Broiler, where I enjoy a good ribeye. This is Michael out of Portland, Oregon with Red Duck Foods, and you are listening to the Seattle Dining Show. We are back on the Seattle Dining Show, and we have come to the final dish of the meal, <laughs> where we close things out with a couple tips and tricks. And uh, Connie, you got something? I don't know what it is. What is your tip for the show this week? Um, this or is this, a, this month or this year? I don't know. <laughs> this is March of 2019. I have to kind of remind him because he gets lost. Um, this is not a rocket science. Again, I say that about all my tips. But when you're out, savor your meal. I was thinking about this the other day because we're always thinking about our diets and, you know, we want to be healthy, we do organic or don't want that many calories or we got to be gluten-free or that. You know what? Eating out is supposed to be a treat. Mm-hmm. And when you go, I mean, you don't – you can just blow out everything or you can be reasonable and you can look for the healthiest thing on the menu – but the point of going out is to enjoy these amazing dishes that chefs make. So in, when you're out, and for whatever reason you're out, enjoy it. You know, stop worrying about it. You're out for the evening. Treat yourself. Watch what you eat at other times. Eat healthy at home. You know, you know there's a little bonus that comes along with that. What's that? Uh, that is, if you eat your food a little more slowly, mm-hmm. chew it all up before you take it down your throat real good, before you take the next bite. Mm-hmm. You are going to feel full sooner, which means now you just scored something to take home. Exactly. And you can eat it the way it is or chop it up and put it in a salad at home. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think what started me on this was I took a friend out for her birthday dinner, and it was about a a three-and-a-half-hour dinner. And it was wonderful. We had a salad and a main. It wasn't like we had 17 courses, but we were talking and laughing, and we had a cocktail, and, you know— and it was just a, a really fun evening, and that's what going out should be about. Not, I agree. Yeah. I agree. Not that restaurants want you to s- keep that table for three and a half hours normally, but still. Well, my tip this month, <clears throat> now that I finally figured out we have a monthly show, um, <laughs> my tip it is. Is, uh, is called Hot Plate Happiness. Hot Plate Happiness. You know, we like to make fondues. Mm-hmm. And the trouble with the darn fondue 
things all the time is it's really hard to get the heat right underneath them. And then if you boil, you start cooking cheese to the bottom or getting your bouillon all burned up or whatever. And a hot plate gives you a lot more control over the heat than a sterno can. Mm -hmm. So um, consider maybe not using that uh, fondue pot in its actual fixture that it was sold with, Mm -hmm. but instead switch to a hot plate and – just remember that thing's hot when you're done at the end of the meal. Make sure you turn that off before mm. you handle it. Yeah. That is something I would do. Well, that's what All I right. got. I think that's a good tip. I think, you know, use your tools in ways that work for you. Yep. And you never know when you need an extra burner. If, you, if you're yeah. doing a large meal at home, you may – four burners on your stove may not be enough. So now you got a spare. Yeah. And you did this once, as I recall, and it worked really well. Yeah, it did. Yeah. It did. All right. Thank you for being with us. It's time to wrap up. We appreciate you coming every month and listening to us. If you're not already a subscriber of the magazine, you can do so for free. Just go to seattledining.com and sign up on Subscribe Free. We will see you next month. Bye. Thanks for listening to another edition of the Seattle Dining Show. This program is a copyrighted production of Mixed Media. It may not be reproduced in part or in whole without written permission of the legal owner, all right? However, feel free to share the link with all your friends on Facebook. Studio equipment for this broadcast was purchased locally at American Music, a Fremont icon. The views and opinions expressed on this show are exclusive to the hosts and guests and do not reflect those of former employees of Bill the Butcher, the Surrogate Hostess, the Beeline Diner, Louie's Chinese Cuisine, the Doghouse, the Five Mile House, Charlie's, the Twin Teepees, Ocean Air, Benjamin's, the Madison Park Cafe, or any other lost Seattle icon. Subscribe free to our monthly magazine, online at seattledining.com and join us next time for another edition of the seattle dining show